podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. It's a quiet Tuesday. We are two days away from Liverpool versus Arsenal in the second leg of the EFL Cup semi-final. There are reports that Arsenal are attempting to get the game postponed and potentially moved to next week due to their quote-unquote injury crisis and COVID issues. Uh, They have one COVID case. They have maybe two or three real injuries, a couple of made-up injuries, and a few lads away at AFCON. Um, There is no real grounds for them to get this game moved. They are in the process of loaning out their fourth player of this window. They are also looking at a fifth loan. So Pablo Mari looks like he may be set to go out on loan to Udinese. And there have been reports that Kalasinac could go on loan as well. They've already loaned out Harry Clark, young defender. He's gone on loan to Hibernian. Spent the first half of the season on loan at Ross County. He's probably not good enough to play for Arsenal. But he is a footballer owned by Arsenal who is a senior player and would have been old enough and good enough to play in a game if needed. They loaned out Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who's absolutely good enough to play, and Fowler and Balogun, who earns 40 grand a week and thus is a senior player and thus should be playing if they need players. Uh, They also loaned out Brooke Norton Cuffey, who's a young right back I've never heard of. He's gone on loan to Lincoln. So actually... Pablo Mari will be their fifth loan and Side Klasnich will be their sixth loan of this window, all while they cry about not having enough players. That's ignoring the fact that in the summer they loaned out Mavroponos, Guendozi, Saliba, John Jules, Torreira and Bellerin, all of whom are good enough to play senior football uh, for Arsenal Football Club in a one-off game if they're short of players. There is no real excuse for what we're seeing from Arsenal, other than they're manipulating the rules and they're basically cheating. What they accused us of doing when we had a legitimate COVID outbreak, or what we thought was a legitimate COVID outbreak, 14 positive tests returned. On top of players that were already COVID positive, on top of five injuries and three at AFCON, we had at least 22 players unavailable Because while they may have been false positives, remember that those players were still being forced to isolate and weren't aware that they didn't have COVID until the Friday when the second set of tests came back from a different lab. The first set were verified by an independent lab. We had at least 22 players unavailable. They have the four that went to AFCON, Kalasinac, Cedric, and Odegaard, they have seven players that are unavailable. They've made up a few injuries. They've extended previous injuries when Arteta told us those players would have been back for the Spurs game. Uh, But it does seem like they just don't want to play games while they've got Thomas Partey at AFCON and Granit Xhaka suspended. They've got no midfield, and, and they seem to be scared. It seems to be as simple as that. But we're not going to spend too long focusing on Arsenal and their cheating Let's get into the news of the day. And James Pierce, the boffin that he is, he has written a piece on The Athletic regarding sensible transfers, what he deems 
sensible transfers for Liverpool. Now, myself and Carol Matchett went into this in more detail on the latest AI Scouted, which will be out today. But Pierce suggests Noah Lang, Jared Bowen and Marcus Turam uh, as players Liverpool could look at, all of whom are different profiles to each other, two of whom play predominantly on the left side, whereas Bowen plays predominantly on the right side. Completely different types of players, all of them. Uh, Noah Lang is a ball-carrying winger. Jared Bone is mostly a penalty box player who plays on the right, but you know isn't a ball carrier, doesn't do a lot in the build-up play, tends to be more the one who plays the final pass or the one who gets the shot away. And Marcus Turam is a player I like, but I mean he's you know he, he doesn't fit in either of those baskets. He's completely different. Um, Pierce does mention some players that should be exciting. Kamaldeen Sulemana is one that everybody should want Liverpool to go and get. He's an outstanding young player. Amin Guri of Nice is an excellent player with versatility, with creativity, who can score goals. Christopher Nkunku might be the best of the bunch mentioned. Sensational player with RB Leipzig. Can play a number of different positions in the forward line. Can offer different things that the team maybe doesn't have at the moment, but can also replicate a lot of what Bobby does, a lot of what Sadio does. He might be the one to go and get. And Cody Gakbo of PSV Eindhoven, uh, another very young player, another wide forward type. But again, you know, you, you look at, at these players and, and you look at Gakpo, you look at Suleimani, you look at Guri, you look at Nkunku, and you look at Noah Lang. You could see all of them being options for one role. Varying levels of ready, varying price tags, whatever. But they all fit more into a specific type of role. A role that's completely different to the role Marcus Turan plays. And again, a role completely different to what Jared Bowen does, as well as the fact that all of them play predominantly on the left and Bowen plays predominantly on the right, which is why I think the Jared Bowen thing is predominantly being pushed by the agents of Jared Bowen. If you remember when that news broke, only Pierce has ever reported this. Only James Pierce has reported Liverpool's interest in Jared Bowen. Everything else is basically referring to his report. But it was also reported by the West Ham journalist at The Athletic. That tells me it came from an agent. An agent looking to get his client a new contract. An agent who works for the agency who also represent Trent and Andy Robertson. There's no other way you'd come up with Jared Bowen and then all of these left-sided players if you were putting together a serious list to fill a need at Liverpool Football Club. Jared Bowen doesn't fill a need at Liverpool. Jared Bowen would be a really, 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 really poor man's replacement for Mohamed Salah. Not someone that improves the team. And at a cost, that would be way over what he's actually worth. Way, way over what he's actually worth. And people will say, oh, but you probably said the same about Diogo Jota. No, no, I didn't. No, I was absolutely on board with signing Jota. And Jota cost 
40 million, whereas Bowen will cost probably closer to 60, given he's English. He's probably going to get capped by England this year. We've seen the price tags West Ham have put on Declan Rice. They're going to do similar with Bowen. They're going to price them out of any kind of move. English passports tend to carry quite a bit of tax uh, when looking at transfers. It just doesn't make sense for us. You could say, okay, when he come to us, he'd play in the middle. Anyone really want to be playing Jared Bowen as our number nine? He hasn't exactly done a good job playing as a number nine for West Ham. Jared Bowen suits a counter-attacking team. We're not a counter-attacking team. We should move on from any discussion about him. The other ones are interesting, though. Now, what I will say is that article was written by someone that hasn't watched Noah Lang play. Um, probably hasn't watched a whole lot of Marcus Turam. Probably hasn't watched a whole lot of Cody Gakbo. And definitely hasn't watched any of Kamaldine Suleimana. So, um, Suleimana, Guri, they'd be my... If you were ranking them, I think you'd go Nkunku number one, without doubt. I think you'd go Suleiman, no, Guri two, Suleimana three. Lang four, Gakbo five. Two Ram six, and you just take Bowen out of the equation because it just doesn't it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for us. Um, but yeah, that's Jimbo's latest over on the Athletic. Make sure you uh, pay your money to read that insight. Um, on Liverpool.com, the headline piece is Liverpool defender who silenced Neymar must make massive decision as Manchester City cameo shows truth. Joe Gomez's sole Premier League involvement this season is a Man City cameo. The days of pocketing Neymar are gone. He must make a big Liverpool decision. So Gomez will turn 25 before the end of this season. And I know that when you think of Joe Gomez, because I know I do, I always think of Joe Gomez being 21, 22, that kind of age. You forget that he is almost 25. And at this point, he is the fourth centre-back at Liverpool. Kanate is third. Matip and Van Dijk obviously start. Kanate is the successor to Joel Matip. That's the role he will take. Which means that for Gomez, his his path to the team is the left-sided role post-Virgil. But Virgil's not going anywhere for three, four years. At which point Joe Gomez will be 28, 29 I mean, at that point, you don't want him being the one to replace Virgil because he'll have so little experience of actually starting games over that period of time. And he won't want to sit around until he's 28, 29, waiting for an opportunity and hoping that nobody comes along in the interim. Because before Virgil goes, Matip will be sold and or, or he'll retire. And who's to say Liverpool wouldn't then go and buy another centre-back who overtakes Joe Gomez? It's unfortunate, and he's been so unlucky with injuries. But the best thing for both parties is probably to sell Joe Gomez in the summer. If Aston Villa are willing to pay £40 for him, that's the deal you take. You take that money, you move Joe on, 
you go and you find a replacement for him, be it Loic Bade, be it Maxence Lacroix, be it Badi Achille, Ronald Arejo, whoever. There's a plethora of great young centre-backs out there who could come in and be developed. And from a timeline perspective, fit a lot better to being the one to replace Virgil down the line. And you'll have money left over, which you can then reinvest elsewhere. Put it into the pot to help you buy an attacker or whatever, with you know, along with sales of, of Ox or Nabi or, or Sadi or Nico or Nat or whoever. There's a number of players that should leave Liverpool this summer. And Gomez is probably one of them. And it's not because he's not good enough. It's not because you would want him to leave. With other players, there's players you'd look at in that squad and you'd, you'd like to see them leave for one reason or another. With Joe, it's merely because the best thing for his career is probably to leave. And Joe at Villa, next to Esri Konza, would be a really good pairing. That's a partnership that Villa can really build with for the next five, six years. Konza just turned 24. Gomez turns 25 in May. They know each other really well. Remember, Joe Gomez was at Charlton from 07 to 2015. And while he was there from 09 to 2016, so a six-year crossover 09 to 15, Esri Konza was there. They know each other. They've played together. Not in the senior team, but at underage level, they've played together a lot. These boys know each other. They would be a really good fit from a skill set point of view with Konza as that more aggressive front-footed defender and Gomez as the sweeper type. That's a pairing that does work. That is a pairing that does work. And I think you could potentially look at those two being the foundation for Villa for the long term. That's something Villa could build off, and it's something that we could take the money from, turn it into a 20, 21, 22-year-old fourth centre-back to develop behind Virgil to eventually replace Virgil and put the money back into other areas of the squad. That's what we're going to have to do, because unfortunately, with the way our ownership model works, we do need to sell off players like Joe. We will need to sell off potentially a Nabi Keita, a Sadio Mane, an Alex Oxley Chamberlain. And again, for Joe, I just think it's the best thing for his career to move on. And I think Villa's the right landing spot for him. Uh, Liverpool fans are up in arms as Mo Salah has been described as the most disrespected player in the world. So FIFA have put out their team of the year and it's a mess. Let's be really, really clear. It's an absolute train wreck in which there's only really a good case, I would say, for three of the players, maybe four of the players included, being in the team of the year. 
you can't make any case against Lewandowski. You can't make any case against Messi. Well, the, his time at PSG hasn't gone well, but he was so sensational for Barca the second half of last season and for Argentina at the Copa. You'd allow it. When you look at Kevin De Bruyne, you can't make a case against him. And maybe Ruben Diaz deserves it, though he hasn't been nearly as good this season. He was obviously massively overrated last season and he had terrible Euros. But David Alaba's a weird pick. You could probably make a case for him, but it's a weird pick. Especially given they lined him up on the right of the back three. Benucci has no place in the team. In a very good Euros, he has not been good for Juventus in the last 12 months. Donnarumma, has he really been better than Thibaut Courtois? Really? Is that a case somebody is willing to make? Because I don't see it. Kante, good knockout stage for, 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 for Chelsea in the Champions League. His league form last year wasn't good. He hasn't been brilliant this season. Jorginho, good knockout stage for Chelsea, good Euros for Italy. But what about all the other games he's played? What about all his league games for Chelsea? That hasn't been good. They picked Erling Haaland, which is just weird. Yes, he's had a good year. There's, there's no doubt he's had a good year. He also missed a chunk of it with an injury. But he hasn't been better than Benzema. Like, if you're telling me that there's a, 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 a 2021 team of the year and there's four forwards in it, the four forwards have got to be Lewandowski, Salah, Messi, Benzema. That's it. Nobody else is worth consideration. And yet Benzema didn't get in and Salah didn't get in. Haaland picked over Karim Benzema, which is laughable. Because Benzema, if Salah's not the best player in the world right now, it's Karim Benzema. Simple as that. Benzema is right now with Salah the front runner for the next Ballon d'Or. He, he's been ridiculous since Cristiano left. And he just continues to get better. And instead of Salah, they picked Cristiano Ronaldo, <clears throat> who was poor for Juventus last season, poor at the Euros, and has been poor for Manchester United. And I don't want to hear arguments about, oh, he scored this many goals. And what? And what? Arsonist and fireman. He, he turns up to save his team from situations that, that he is a key architect of putting them in. The reason United need him to score late winners is because he has such a negative effect on them for the previous 85 minutes. Same with Portugal, same with Juventus. And tap-ins and penalties is not going to win my heart, no matter how many of them there are. Tap-ins and penalties is just not what I'm looking for. Salah should have been in that, that team. Salah and Benzema are the biggest snubs from that team. Haaland is put in because he's the shiny new toy. And Cristiano's put in probably because FIFA were scared that all the really weird Cristiano fanboys who, you know, it was fair enough when you're in your, your mid-teens being a weird Cristiano fanboy. But most of you idiots are now in your mid-twenties and you're still behaving like a bunch of little girls 
running around squealing and looking for an autograph, you know, with with the, with the pretty man. Stop it. Stop putting Cristiano Ronaldo into lists he doesn't belong in. I saw someone suggest the other day he's the best player playing for a team who's not currently in the top six. I haven't looked at the league table. I think United are seventh. They could be sixth. Um, but regardless, he's not the best player at United. He just isn't. He's not the best Portuguese player in the league. He's not even one of the five best Portuguese players in the league. He just isn't. Bernardo Silva is better. Joe Canseo is better. Bruno Fernandes is better. Diogo Jota is better. Ruben Neves is better. Ruben Diaz is better. He's the seventh best Portuguese player in the league. And if Ricardo Pereira could stay fit and Leicester could sort their lives out, he might be the eighth best Portuguese player in the league. Like, let's stop pretending that Cristiano Ronaldo is still the player he was five years ago. Because he's just not. He's just not. He's a tap-in merchant. It's all he can do now. Go and look at the goals he scored for United as well. All bar about three of them are goalkeeper errors or penalties. So, you know, let's move on. Um, Joel Matip is edging towards a Jurgen Klopp boost Liverpool have been waiting for all season. Joel Matip has been one of the Premier League's best players this season, but to get the respect he deserves, he'll have to start converting as many chances. Is this to suggest that if Joel Matip scores a goal, he'll suddenly be a better player? Well, that's just silly. Uh, Joel Matip's having a good season, but like he's also had some pretty poor games. He has had some pretty poor games. Um, so, you know, let's not overrate things too much. Uh, should Liverpool Liverpool should exploit 25 million release clause of 18 goal forward as transfer gamble can pay off? This is about Julian Alvarez of River Plate, who's been linked with a lot of clubs. And strangely, nobody has made a move for him yet. Um, an expert finisher in the world of Abatastuta, Crespo or Falco. He's a very different player to all of them. And given he's five foot seven, he should probably be more compared to the similar players like Carlos Tevez, you know, uh, Ezekiel Levetsi, guys he's actually kind of like, rather than people like Crespo and Batistuta and Falco, who are, well, Falco's only 5'9, five, 5'10, five, but Crespo was 6 foot, Batistuta was 6'1. They were big, powerful men. He's powerful, but he's small. Uh, FSG transfer plan from before Jurgen Klopp could finally make Liverpool millions. Alan Rodriguez signed for Liverpool in the summer of 2015, but never kicked a ball. Another move to Liverpool could see Jurgen Klopp get a larger transfer pot. So I assume the suggestion here is that we have a sell-on clause in his contract. We did make a tidy profit on him. FSG, oh, we have a 10% sell-on clause. 
Now, whether that's 10% of the profit or 10% of the overall fee, I have no idea. But look, if he went for 10 million, it's another million quid. I don't think there's anything worth writing an article over, but you've got to fill a column inches somehow. Uh, Liverpool could have transfer advantage for next Jaden Sancho, thanks to Cristiano Ronaldo Cole. Liverpool were linked with Sancho before Manchester United. 72 million transfers not worked out for him. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit early to brand anything in terms of Sancho. He's 21. He's only six months into the club. The club are a mess. Nobody there is playing particularly well. There's not one of their players can claim to be having a good season. So I wouldn't be saying too much about that. Liverpool, I-42 million Sadio Mane successor transfer as FSG seek to undo Real Madrid rival clause. This is the Media Digest. PSV Eindhoven want Nat Phillips. Um, would be a very odd one. A very odd, odd move, if that was true. Uh, Liverpool target dropped, so this would be Matthias Ginter. I don't think he's a target at all. Um, Christopher Nkunku is the Sadio Mane replacement that's mentioned here. He would be a great signing. And Liverpool uh, rival Real Madrid for Yuri Tielemans. I doubt it. I, I don't think... I don't think Real Madrid are going to be buying a central midfielder this summer. They've got Cruz, they've got Casemiro, they've got Modric, they've got Camavinga, they've got Fede Valverde. I just don't see them being a team that moves for central midfielder this summer. Um, now, maybe they could sell one of who they have, Camavinga and Valverde would be the only two with real sale value. Uh, but I, I just doubt that they'll do that. They, they've got other needs elsewhere. Uh, on AnfieldIndex.com, we have a new article up entitled Michael Owen, What Could Have Been, written by Stephen Smith. Uh, do check that one out. We have a new AI scouted that I mentioned earlier. It is actually out straight away. Guy Drinkle doing bits in the background. Um there's a new Moby on the spot. There is the new Rate Don't Hate. There is the new Scouser Tommy. So four new pods there to give a listen to. And on the Scouted, we went over a lot of things. Uh, Ars- the Arsenal game, we had a good laugh at Everton. We talked about that FIFA Pro uh, nonsense. We answered some listeners' questions. We talked about that James Pierce article. So do check that out. It's about an hour and 20 minutes. It's a good old chat with myself and Mr. Matchett. And a guy is telling me that Under Pressure is being recorded tonight. That will be recorded live on the Anfield Index Discord. If you are a member, you can listen in. You can ask questions and the guys will try and answer them as and when they see them. And that's it then. That is me for today. Thank you very much. I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.